Welcome to the Emrooted Podcast, the landowner podcast to empower you with inspiration, new perspectives, and quick tips for your forest management and land ownership journey. It's the end of June, which means we are literally halfway through the year. And I don't know about you, but time has completely flown by. But at the same time, it seems like it is moving slow, slowly. And maybe you're like me, where you have a lot of plans that you anticipated getting done and you told yourself you were going to do. And yet, time after time again, you say, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next week. It's just not right right now. But as soon as work slows down, as soon as we get through whatever it is, fill in the blank, I'm going to get started on that. I do this all the time personally, professionally, just all different areas of my life. But it's the end of June. We are literally halfway through 2023. And so today, we are going to be talking about one of the biggest things we tend to postpone. And it's not our timber harvesting. But the biggest thing landowners tend to postpone is our site prep for reforestation. Yes, we're going to be talking about site prep today. Now, I'm not going to be going into necessarily all the details of, you know, what exactly you should do because it depends. But when it comes to your reforestation plans, yes, it still depends. It depends on which forester you ask. It depends on what your timber harvesting looks like at the end. It depends on what your goals and objectives are for this new stand. I recently did talk about cutting with the end in mind. And if you didn't listen to that podcast, I do highly recommend listening to that episode right after this. But today we're going to be talking about postponing site prep. And so after we've completed this timber harvesting, we have a tendency to just say, whew, that is done. I am so glad. I'm just going to take a break. You have the best of intentions on doing reforestation, on starting your site prep, but you you just need a little bit of a break. Next thing you know, you wake up. It's the end of June. Now, again, depending on exactly what you wanted to get done, there's most likely some type of mechanical work and chemical work you were looking to do, let alone ordering the trees so they can be planted in December. And did you know you should actually get your tree seedlings order? If not now, depending on which nursery you're going to, sometimes they don't open the orders until June or July, but maybe back in March or April, you needed to have basically placed your seedling orders and decided what you wanted to plant at what spacing and therefore how many seedlings you actually needed before you might've even started your site prep process. Now, Danielle, how am I supposed to be able to determine that if I haven't even started anything? How am I supposed to know? Well, I'm glad you asked. Of course, that is what your consultant forester or your county forester would be more than happy to help you with. If you had a consultant forester help you with your timber harvesting, which I pray that you did, they most likely are hopefully staying on board to help you through the reforestation, to helping you with get the connections, get the work executed. And yes, they would have made sure that they are placing their tree seedlings order. But if you were doing this yourself, this is a wake up call that you're probably past due, but you need to call the nursery right after this call if you haven't already, because a lot of times they book out early. Okay, so we have our mechanical and whether your mechanical work includes drum chopping or caging or root raking or spot raking or bedding, you have a lot of different options. Most of the times you're going to be doing some type of mechanical work first, and then you're going to be doing usually some type of broadcast herbicide spraying. 
and depending on exactly what type of vegetation you have come back up and again your objectives depends on what that chemical mix might look like but all in all most site prep does include a broadcast spraying either through you know skitter tractor or even airplane or helicopter and usually that herbicide spraying is typically between june in October, somewhere in that time frame. Again, depending on the chemical, depending on your process, if you've gotten your ducks in a row ready for that chemical spraying, as well as depending on the contractor's schedule, of course, when they're going to be in your area and when they can get to that. But how often do we get put in such a rush that we tend to see to wanna to cut corners or even worse, we didn't actually calculate how much all of this was going to cost. We agree and say, yes, we need to do all the T's, all the I's. We need to do it all because that's the best thing for our future investment in the long haul. And we hear numbers, $125 an acre, $75 an acre, $150 an acre, here and there. All of these sound great. Yeah, I mean, it's a little expensive, but yeah, that sounds, that sounds fine. That sounds reasonable. Then you add them together, 125 plus 75. Now we're at $200 an acre plus another $50 an acre. That's 250 an acre plus $100 an acre. We're now at 350 an acre almost. Now, again, depending on exactly what you need done and where you're located would depend on what the prices are. But you have prices per acre for your mechanical work that's probably going to be your most expensive price. And depending on exactly what you're getting done, how big the machine is will depend on that rate. Drum chopping alone, you're looking at probably between 100 and 125, and this may not include inflation. Then you got your KGing, and you're looking at usually a per hour rate in an hour roughly for an acre and a half. We're just gonna ballpark it and say at least $150 an acre. Those are two pretty intensive operations. Of course, you got your bedding. And then when it comes to herbicide spraying, herbicide spraying can range anywhere from $75 an acre to again, $125 an acre. You still have to buy your seedlings and depending on what type of seedlings you get from which nursery, what quality of genetics you get will all depend on your price. Longleaf pine containerized seedlings tend to be quite expensive. For example, I bought some for a client last year and they were roughly $195 a thousand. You plant 605 trees, you know that thousand is only going to be about an acre and a half. So you expand upon that. Then you actually have to pay to get them planted into the ground, either by machine or by hand crew. Hand crew tends to be a little bit cheaper than machine. And so you're still looking at about $75 an acre you know, ballparking right here. You can see how all of this adds up. But when we agree to the plans that we are provided, the recommendations, we see these prices, but we don't necessarily take the time and expand upon it. And next thing you know, we're getting invoice for thousands of dollars. And we feel sometimes a little trapped. Now, if you have been wise and you have been guided correctly ideally you again would have put a portion of your timber sale money aside if you applied for financial assistance and you got approved that number is going to go down but you should always plan for kind of the quote-unquote worst case scenario which is going to be the most expensive you should never 100 percent rely on cost share getting you 
everything you need. Because one, that cost share is only to help reduce the burden. It's not going to cover everything completely. And so if you've been postponing your site prep for year after year, one, you're only increasing the price, but you can also see how that timber sale revenue that you had maybe a couple years ago slowly probably started to disappear. It started to get incorporated into different lifestyle aspects, perhaps. And if you didn't wisely put a portion of it aside for taxes and then for reforestation, you might find yourself in a bind of how am I going to afford to replant appropriately? Oh, I know, I'll just cut corners. I don't really need to do everything, right? And this is when I'm going to say wrong again. Now I understand budget is number one concern and I never want anyone to get into debt here, but you do need to do appropriate site prep and planting because this is the foundation of what you should expect. If you cut corners here, you're gonna be ending up cutting corners later on in life. You're gonna end up cutting corners on your potential volume and value for what you should expect in the long haul. Now, if you cut corners because of budget reasons and you have those reasonable expectations of what you might be losing or the challenges you might be setting yourself up for, that's perfectly fine because you go in with eyes wide open. But I have also seen so many cases where someone perhaps skipped herbicide. They said, you know what, it's too late. We're not going to worry about it. Just going to skip the herbicide. And then they're constantly battling woody vegetation with their trees that they just paid up to $200, you know, for a thousand for. Now that's a bit of an extreme example. I'm perfectly aware of that. But it is easy for us to not think about the long game when it comes to reforestation. We either postpone it so long that we're just trying to rush through it. We've postponed and now our budget has gotten a little bit smaller for what we can actually afford. Or we can be wise, start our site prep early, start it appropriately and with wise counsel. Luke 14 and 28, where it's going to be advising us to be financially smart and wise as well as aware of what we are investing into and what the plans are. And it says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? In this case, of course, they want to build a tower. In your case, you're wanting to replant your clear cut, replant maybe a pasture field or an open area, whatever it may be, you're wanting to replant, they're wanting to build a tower. But you should first sit down and estimate if you have enough for your plans. Now, if you don't have enough for everything that is perhaps recommended to you, this is when you start asking your forester questions of what can we cut out? And you don't just say it like, you know, I don't want to do all that. What can we cut out? You express it as I don't have the budget to do all of this. What are the practices that we should do the most? What is the most important aspects that's going to give me one, the biggest bang for my buck, and it's absolutely necessary. And this is a different conversation now that you're having with your forester because you have expressed you know, some real monetary concerns of why you cannot do everything on that plan that was listed out. Now, of course, that plan was provided to you with the best of intentions. So if you wanna get the goals that you expressed to them, these are the steps you do need to take. But understanding now a little bit more, you know, maybe this is out of budget. Let's rework this. Let's look at it through a different lens of what is absolutely necessary. What is your biggest bang for your buck? 
And then, of course, they should be expressing to you what should be the realistic results from this. If we don't do all of this, what is the risk versus the payoff for it? Again, you should never actually start and jump into any type of work without fully understanding the financial investment that's with it. And that's why I'm always warning so much against reforestation because it is such an expensive cost, but we don't always take the time to open our eyes and realize how much that really is because we tend to talk in dollars per acre. But when you start talking about 50 acres, 100 acres, 150 acres, you can really see how this starts compounding upon itself. So go through the work wisely, appropriately. So let's just say you're someone like me. It's halfway through the year. You're just now realizing, you know, well, crap. I haven't done anything. We haven't gotten anyone on the books. We got a plan, but we haven't actually moved forward with anything. Or on the flip side, a more positive spin of the procrastination is you applied for cost share. You're like, you know what? Wanted to apply for cost share. We're going to throw our hat in the ring to try to get this done. And we just finished our timber harvesting. So you weren't eligible for any type of cost share until this point. And you're saying, I want, I want to really try to apply for that. We didn't get as much revenue from our timber sale as we were hoping. Stumpage kind of went down and we just didn't profit as much as I'd, I'd like to. Perfectly respectable. So you got these two scenarios. One, you either just procrastinated and completely lost track of time like I often do. Two, you are throwing your hat in the ring for cost share and you really want to wait to see if you get approved for that. What do you do next? Well, there's a couple of things. If you're waiting to apply and hear back from cost share, honestly, you're not going to hear back until next March. So at this point in time, I would just keep an eye on your land. Continue that conversation with your forester, perhaps. Uh, if you've applied to Kosher, they should be writing you a management plan recommendations for your reforestation. And I would start, you know, calculating those pennies and dollars of what is it going to cost if you do not get approved? How long are you willing to wait to find out to get approval? Now, I already told you it's probably going to be sometime next spring until you find out. So if you don't find out until next spring, you have plenty of time to start, you know, kind of getting your ducks in a row of what you need to get done after you get your plan, figuring out the cost and figuring out how much can you do if you do not get this cost share. If you get the cost share, that's fantastic. But also recognize most of the time it's a reimbursement style. So you are still going to be responsible for paying the contractors up front and then get reimbursed from the NRCS office. And so in either case, whether you get approved or not approved, you should have the funding or the bulk of the funding to be able to get the work done. Now, in the second case, perhaps you have just procrastinated and lost track of time. Again, I'm not faulting you. I do this all the time. Like I literally just looked at my calendar and was like, oh man, it's the end of June and I have not reached hardly any of the goals that I had set out for myself at the beginning of the year. So this is not a shame, but what do we do now? What we do now is we lace up our boots and we get to work. We decide how much work is actually needed to get done on the land. What do we need to get done? What can we actually effectively get done within the time frame we have left? You ideally want to get trees in the ground between December and February. You have to first see if there's any seedlings available. You have to second figure out what work needs to get done. 
do you have a whole long list of um, bedding and spraying and burning you're trying to get work done? I'm not saying it's going to be impossible. I'm saying it's going to be tight. And depending on the acreage and your location, you need to start making some calls now. And ideally, you need to start working with a consultant forester to help you get that work done in a more effective, efficient manner. Yes, they cost money. But I promise you, they're going to be able to stay on top of actually getting the work executed a lot better than what perhaps you may be able to. Now, if you have a lot of experience in the industry, you you go ahead and get to work on it. I'm just saying you can also rely on the professionals whose whole full-time job is to help landowners like you get their work done. They have the whole network. They have the entire acreage and understanding where their contractors are at to plug you in very easily into the assembly line of work. You can do it yourself, but a lot of times, in my opinion, it's well worth the couple dollars, the few dollars, the $15, whatever it may be, an acre. Usually it's by acre, sometimes it's by hour. It's well worth the investment to have that stress load taken off your shoulders and know that it is getting taken care of and it will get accomplished. Now, the timelines are probably still going to change because I have another episode you should also listen to about why nothing ever goes according to plan. It's not going to go to according to plan. You're going to get it and you're still going to have to jumble around and now you're dealing with a much tighter time frame. But what I'm saying is it's not impossible, but you do need to start looking at what you currently have, what needs to be done, start making those phone calls, and also start adding up if you have the financial means to get done what you need to get done. In my opinion, it is much better to wait one more year and get the work done the right way than it is to do a rush job and cut corners. If you have to wait one more year to either, you know, save a little bit more, get all of the site prep recommendations done or cut it in half and get it done this year, I promise you the results you're going to get in the next 15, 20, 30 years, you will thank yourself by taking that one extra year. In terms of trying to decide and weigh, do I wait, do I not wait? We are very impatient people, so I understand completely. You want to get it done. It's the responsible thing to get it done. But you have to also weigh that against the results you should be expecting. Now, if you keep saying, I'll wait one more year, I'll wait one more year, I'll wait one more year for five years. Now, that's a lot of time that you have lost in potential. And that's a different story. But if you've just finished it harvesting, you've kind of let things slide by. And now you're trying to rush. I would recommend waiting. Even most industry folks tend to wait at least one year before they even begin their site prep. They finish the harvesting, they let the land set. There's a lot of benefits of letting the land just set for a year before you start doing any of your site prep and doing your replanting. So those are your two options. Either kind of lace up your boots, try to get work done, ideally work with a consultant forester and determine, do I want to cram all of this in in the next six months? Is it realistically possible to cram it in in the next six months or I'm still lacing up my boots and making these phone calls but deciding to postpone and do things at a little bit slower pace and plant on planting in the winter of 2024 to 2025 when I can order all of the ideal seedlings I really wanted to buy when I can get the bedding done in an appropriate manner when I can make sure I'm on the schedule to get the herbicide spraying done. This is up to you, and this is also going to be depending on your location, how available contractors are. There seems to be a labor supply in almost everything. So it 
is probably going to be challenging. It was challenging in the best of times and it is even more challenging now. And if you're someone waiting to find out about cost share, I would really love to hear how long it took you to wait and did you get approved? You know, I wanna celebrate with you, but my warning is do not wait year after year for approval. Do not rely on it. Start taking the steps to figure out what it is you need to get done. Start making some calls and building those relationships. And that way, when you find out one way or another, you don't have to decide at that point in time, do I move forward, do I not? Now I'm gonna scramble and try to make these calls. You've kind of already made your decision and now you're just waiting to find out yay or nay, red light or green light. This is completely up to you and only you can make that decision. Anyways, I hope you all have a great 4th of July coming up. Our next podcast will be actually coming out the day after the 4th of July. And so I hope you have a safe holiday weekend and I will talk to y'all next time.